1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: Well, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth, and uh, it's page 376 if you're having trouble finding it there. If you have the same bible i do ruth chapter 1 verse 16 and uh, let's uh, first of all prepare our hearts and ask god to help us lord we do pray now and ask you to help us lord help me as i bring your word lord help help those who hear that they might hear you speaking through your word lord that when we leave this place today we might be closer to the Lord Jesus Christ than when we came in. We pray in his name, amen. Now, uh, Ruth chapter one, and we'll get a little bit of perspective here, verse 16. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest I will go, and where thou lodgest I will lodge. Thy people shall be, or is, my people. Thy God is my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, but call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Mara means bitterness. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home em- again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi? Which means pleasantness. Seeing the Lord hath testified against me, the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi returned, Ruth of Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest, or corn harvest. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, A mighty man of wealth of the family of Eli Melech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, which was of the kindred of Eli Melech. All right, now, here we are. We're entering into chapter 2 of Ruth with our, and with, uh, with, with this entrance into chapter 2 here, we've really turned a corner. Because chapter 1 was a pretty dismal chapter. It starts out very depressing, it ends even more depressing. It's a very depressing chapter where we saw in chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, this man named Eli Melek from Bethlehem, he makes this absolutely tragic mistake, this tragic decision, wrong decision, to let the famine in the land of Israel drive him to choose to forsake the people of God, the Jewish people, and go and join himself to the enemies of Israel, the Moabites. And we've seen how all of his hopes and all of his visions and all of his plans for for a good future, they just came crashing down in verse three as he dies. And then we saw in verse four how his son seemed to want to pick up out of the ashes and, and go on. And they continue in this direct disobedience to God and they take Moabite women for wives and they try to carry on with their father's dreams of a new life blended in with the, with the Moabites, the enemies of God's people. And then we saw how tragedy came again, it struck again here in verse five as the two sons die. It's getting worse. And then in verses 6 through 7, we, we saw that all this was just too much. It was just too much for, for Eli Melek's surviving wife, for Naomi. And, and she just, she, she made the good decision. And she said, I'm going home. I give up. I'm returning to the land of Israel. And then we saw in verses 8 through 13 how in a terrible state of depression, Naomi coerces or tries to coerce her two daughter-in-law. Says, Go back go back to your people, go back to your gods. And in verses 14 through 17, we saw that Naomi could not convince her daughter-in-law Ruth to go back to her people and her gods. And in verse 18, we saw that finally Naomi just gave up on that, trying to convince Ruth to go back, and she caves in and lets herself be stuck with Ruth. That's how she looks at it, she's stuck with Ruth. And then in verses 19 through 22, we see here, how Naomi's entrance back to her city, back to the place she left, back to Bethlehem, as she became the talk of the town, uh, and and, and the talk of the town was how terrible she looked (laughs) and how poor she was. She should have such a reputation. And, And so the book so far has just been a history of a terrible family tragedy, all because decisions a family made were decisions that were not based on O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. You know the song? Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key, do it obediently. Joy you will receive, because they didn't know that song. Okay. <laughs> so because Eli Melek's family didn't make these good decisions as to where to live, and they tried to blend in with the enemies of God. It was one tragedy after another. But through this tragedy, a unique Moabitess, Ruth, emerges. And she's got this quality that is absolutely remarkable. And it comes out for her, what quality is that? What has she got? What's the quality, what would you say? What's her quality? Besides being pretty, I don't know if she was pretty or not. She was faithful. She was faithful, she had faithfulness. In contrast to her sister-in-law, Orpah, she was, Ruth has been consistently faithful to Naomi. And up to this point in our history, Ruth has been for us just a picture, a sterling picture of faithfulness. And this is what is so important to see about Ruth, that she fully understood, Ruth fully understood one thing. She understood the cost of faithfulness. She knew the cost of faithfulness. You know, we live in a day today of unfaithfulness. We live in a day when spouses are unfaithful to each other, and therefore div- divorce is so rampant. And there's just no difference in the divorce rate between outside the church and inside the church. It's a disease. Why is there such a high divorce rate? Unfaithfulness. Unfaithful to the simple vows stay married, love, cherish each other for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. There's not a situation in marriage that's not included in the for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. And the reason there's so much unfaithfulness in marriage, and by, and by unfaithfulness I'm not only referring to adultery, but I'm referring to divorce as being the unfaithfulness to the marriage vows. The singular reason for divorce is unfaithfulness in the marriage because people today have not sat down and considered what is the cost of faithfulness. There's no cost of faithfulness in a marriage during the times of for better. There's no cost in a faithfulness in the times of marriage when it's for richer. There's no cost in a marriage in the times when it's in health. See, faithfulness in a marriage is seen when the cost of faithfulness is paid During the times of for worse, for poor, and in sickness. And Ruth was faithful and loyal to Naomi and to God because in her declaration of her vows of faithfulness, which is really what verse what what these verses in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 are, Ruth is proclaiming that she sat down and she considered the cost of faithfulness, and she was vowing to pay this cost. And there were things that Ruth did not say in those two verses, chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, in her vows of faithfulness to Naomi, Ruth did not say, I'll go with you and receive with you a great welcome home when we come to Bethlehem. And she didn't say, I'll lodge with you when we come into your mansion in Bethlehem. And she didn't say, your people are my people and your God is my God when your people and your God shower me and shower us with wealth. And she didn't say, when the city builds a great burial mausoleum for you, then I'll be buried with you in that great mausoleum. And she didn't say those things because there's no cost of faithfulness in those things. And what we've seen so far in our study of Ruth has been Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi and to God as well as Ruth was paying the cost of faithfulness, which are parts of the marriage vows. It's the for better, for poor part here. And we've seen that it's not been at all easy for Ruth. So it's just not been easy at all to be faithful to Naomi and God. Naomi made it crystal clear to Ruth that, and to Orpah too that there was going to be a cost of faithfulness and that Ruth would have to pay. Naomi just made it crystal clear. Naomi has this uncanny ability to make the worst so crystal clear. But Naomi made it crystal clear to Ruth that Ruth needed to be prepared to pay the cost of faithfulness when in chapter 1, verse 12, Naomi told Ruth that for her to be faithful and stay with Naomi, that's going to be, Ruth, are you ready to say goodbye to any prospect of getting married again? Ruth, the cost of faithfulness will be that you will not know the romance of a husband again. You will not know the thrill of a husband holding your hand. You'll not know the security of a husband sheltering you and taking care of you. You'll not know the joy of having children and the laughter of children in your home. Say goodbye, Ruth, to your family. That's the cost of faithfulness. That's your cost of faithfulness. It's gonna mean that you'll not see your mother and father again. You won't see your brothers and your sisters again. You won't see any of your Moabite family again. Say goodbye. Say goodbye to your own comfort in life as your life is going to mean that you, if you come with me, you're going to be poor. And you're going to have to work hard in the hot sun to get food by essentially begging for the privilege to pick up food that others drop during the harvest. And so Naomi said to, was saying to Ruth, Ruth, would you please sit down and consider the cost of faithfulness? Ruth, are you really ready to pay this? you really ready to pay this cost of faithfulness? You know what chapter 1, verses 16 through 17 is really Ruth's reply back to Naomi. And she said, yes, Naomi, I have sat down. I have considered the cost of faithfulness. Yes, Naomi, I'm ready to pay that cost. And I know when I say, whither thou goest, I will go, as she said in verse 16. That means going back to Bethlehem in a destitute state, and I'm willing to pay that cost of faithfulness in order to go with you. And yes, Naomi, I'm ready to pay the cost of faithfulness. And I know, and when, it, when I said, where thou lodgest, I will lodge, verse 16, that means going back to Bethlehem in a destitute state, and I'm willing to pay that cost. And that means having no idea where we're gonna live. And to be without the security of knowing where we're gonna live, I'm willing to go. And yes, Naomi, I'm willing to pay the cost of faithfulness. And I know when it says, thy people is my people, and thy God is my God, in verse 16, that that means going among your people and paying the cost of faithfulness to be a black person in Selma, Alabama in the 1950s and be despised and treated as a second-class citizen. I'm willing to pay it, Naomi. I'm willing to pay that cost of faithfulness and to still say your people is my people. Yes, Naomi, I'm willing to pay the cost of faithfulness. And I know when I say when that where thou diest will I die and there will I be buried, in verse 17, that that means that I expect to die as a poor pauper and be buried in some common grave for beggars, and I'm willing to pay that cost of faithfulness. That's why Ruth is such a precious picture of faithfulness because she sat down and she considered all these things, the cost of faithfulness to Naomi and to God, and she got up and she said, count me in. I'm willing to pay the cost of faithfulness. Chris Spielman he graduated from Washington University in Massillon, Ohio, and he married his high school sweetheart, Stephanie. They were both Bible-believing Christians, and he was one of the most, Chris Spielman was one of the most decorated football players in high school, college, and NFL history. He had the most number of interceptions for the Detroit Lions. What do I know? I can't even figure out how to play the game of football. Yeah. I sit there and try to say, what do you mean, anyway, so many down? But when his wife got breast cancer, he put his career on hold to care for her. He paid the cost of faithfulness. And there was a she had five bouts of breast cancer during a 12-week period, and he wrote a book which he said, I'm happy to pay the cost of faithfulness, and, and he called the name of the book, That's Why I'm Here. So before Ruth made her decision to be faithful to Naomi and to God, she had done what the Lord Jesus Christ said to do in Luke 14, 25-33, when he said, When, first of all, the setting is very interesting. It says, there went great multitudes with him, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he turned and said unto them, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he can't be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it less happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it all that behold it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish or what king what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. See the setting? The setting here, great multitudes were there. So he looks, he sees the great multitudes following him, but more importantly, as only he can, he sees the hearts of each one in those great multitudes like it says in jeremiah seventeen ten, i the lord search the heart and so the lord jesus christ is looking at all these hearts he's looking at all these individuals and he searches their hearts and he sees them and he says i see a great need i see a great need they really have not considered the cost of faithfulness they haven't considered it and so he turns to them and he says to the multitude now he's talking to jewish people so you jewish people Some of you, the cost of faithfulness to follow me will mean you can just say goodbye now to your father and your mother and your wife and your children and your brothers and your sisters because they're going to hate you and you're going to have to even deny yourself. You ready to pay that cost of faithfulness? You really have you thought about it? For some of you, the cost of faithfulness is going to be so great that when they hate you for following me, and and your own body is crying out for pleasures that I don't allow, you'll have to hate your father and your mother and your wife and your children, your brothers and sisters and your own life in order to pay the cost of faithfulness. you ready to pay that? Have you really thought about that? Are you ready to pay it? And then to make sure that each individual is ready to pay the cost of faithfulness, he uses two examples of the builder wanting to build a tower and the king wanting to make war, and in both examples, he uses the same phrase, which is sitteth not down first. Sitteth not down first and counts the cost. Sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able. So as the Lord Jesus Christ looks over the hearts of the individuals, he saw that each one needed to sit down first, count the cost, and decide if they're prepared, pay the cost of faithfulness. You know, this reminds me of two Jewish men today, both living in New York City, within 15 miles of each other. One's a rabbi, very religious. The other's a typical secular Jewish man. And both of them watched my testimony DVD, and both of them received the Lord Jesus Christ. When the rabbi told his wife that he believed that the Lord Jesus Christ was the Messiah, she gave him one chance to recant and renounce Jesus Otherwise, he would not be allowed back home that night to their really nice house that her father bought for them. (laughs) And he could no longer see his children. And he could no longer have his job working for her father. And immediately, he called to tell me that he had renounced Jesus. And he was returning to traditional Judaism without Jesus. Now, that's him. Now, on the other hand, There's another person, a secular Jewish man who was under a lot of pressure at work. And this pressure was so great that it forced him to get on his hands and knees and to cry out to God for help. And he found the testimony DVD that he had received eight months ago in January and he stuffed it into a drawer and he watched it and he prayed the sinner's prayer at the end of the DVD. And He had married his high school Jewish sweetheart, and he'd been married to her for decades, and he was not expecting the reaction he did when he told his wife. And she, she, because she told him, if he followed Jesus, that she could no longer live with him. And when he told her, and when he, and when he told me that, I held my breath as I waited for his response, which was there's no way I'm gonna turn back from Jesus. I'm staying with Jesus. Two Jewish men, both married to Jewish women, both living in New York City within a short drive of each other, both watched the same DVD, both received the Lord Jesus Christ as their God and Savior, both had a similar response from their Jewish wives. One said, I turn back and choose my wife, my children, my job, my house, over Jesus and the other said there is nothing going to make me turn back from Jesus. What's the difference? What's the difference between these two men? These two Jewish men, what's the difference? One sat down and counted the cost of faithfulness and decided to pay the cost of faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ, cost what it will. And the other, he didn't really sit down and count the cost. And when he saw that the cost of faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ was too great a price, he said, I turn back. Two Moabite women, one named Orpah, one named Ruth, both married to Jewish women, both living with each other, both widowed, both faced with the same decision to be faithful to Naomi and to God. Follow Naomi back to Bethlehem to be with the people of God. Orpah, she decides to not be faithful to Naomi and God. She turns back to her people, to her gods, to the prospect of getting married again. Ruth, she decides to be faithful to Naomi and to God, and she forsakes her people and the Moabite God. She gives up the prospect of getting married again. What's the difference? What's the difference between Orpah and Ruth? They both saw the cost of faithfulness and to Naomi and to and to God, and Orpah said, too much. Too much to pay, too great a cost. Ruth said, not too much, worth it. I'll pay the cost of faithfulness. So chapter one is all about the cost of faithfulness. It's It's not an easy cost of faithfulness for Ruth to pay. It's not an easy cost of faithfulness to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, especially for Jewish people. But the Lord Jesus Christ knows how great the cost of faithfulness is, and he says it's worth it it's worth it as hard as it is coming to the Lord Jesus Christ is worth it it's worth it to pay the cost of faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord Jesus he sees the cost of faithfulness and he says to choose pleasing yourself over the cost of faithfulness is a disaster